Good morning, everyone. I want to thank everyone uh, for watching on uh, Facebook Live. It's been great to be with you, and uh, we've enjoyed having our services online. And so we um, uh, always just happy. Last week, we had folks from all over the place watching, so that's really exciting for us. Today, we're talking about um, that Jesus provides a comforter. And it's this interesting story about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to kind of talk about how does the Holy Spirit help us? Um, when we become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, and so we need his help and his guidance. And so how does he help us and guide us, and what does he do? And I, it's going to be different, I believe, than you might have suspected or ever perhaps heard before. So i just give you a little bit of a, a tease there. There were some things here that I didn't really, I never thought about in this way before, so... Um, hopefully you'll learn something today. That's kind of my ambition. Um, the old story goes that there was a hospital administrator and she was walking through the halls near the operating room and she just happened to be there when uh, a guy busts out of the, an operating room with his hospital gown flapping in the breeze and he's running away uh, from the operating area. And she stops him and he's startled and she says, why in the world are you running away from the OR, I, what, what are you doing? And he said, well, it's, it's, it's because of what the nurse said. And she said, well, what did the nurse say? And he said, well, the nurse said, be brave, an appendectomy isn't that big a deal. And she said, well, I, I would think that would be comforting to you. He said, it would have been comforting if you, she was talking to me, but she was talking to the doctor. So uh, comfort comes in lots of different forms. And uh, for me, um, I, I'll give you a couple of stories about uh, comforting for me. I'm in a group of pastors, and one of the things I like about being in a group of pastors is we sort of have uh, some shared experiences and some shared struggles. And so when I get with my group of pastors, and I've, I've been in a group now, I was in a group when I was in Michigan, and I'm in a group now. I've been in, in groups of pastors now for about 10 years. I love that because Sometimes you need somebody that knows what you're going through to help you get through stuff. Or somebody that's gone through it already. And in a group of men um, who've been pastors and who are pastors, it helps us know kind of what that looks like and how to navigate that. I remember in 1992, very well, I was in uh, Texas. My University of Kentucky was an underdog, a, a vast underdog playing a, a Duke team in the NCAA tournament. And Duke really should have beaten us by 30 points. And we held in there, and it went to overtime. And uh, Christian Leitner shot this lucky shot at the end. And, and somehow Duke won. And they uh, really, the, the better team won, but uh, the team with the most heart lost is kind of how I see it. And I really didn't have anybody to commiserate with. I, I didn't have any, Dallas, those people don't know anything about basketball. And so I called my mother, <laughs> and we talked for about an hour about this basketball game because I needed somebody who knew? Um, Miriam is my comforter a lot of times. When my dad died, she was right there. Uh, when I had a heart attack, she never left my side. She never even looked worried. And I, I think that might have been the life insurance policy. I don't know. But we need comfort in our lives. Um, we even have comfort food. Things like fried chicken and mac and cheese and, and anything from Little Debbie's except those stupid cosmic brownies, which are horrible. Uh, there's even some science behind comfort food. I, I read this... Uh, Fatty, sugary-laden foods slow the production of a certain stress hormone. That's why we eat them. Uh, there's even some psychology around this. Men have a tendency to eat heartier uh, comfort food. That's because that would have been what their mothers made for them. 
Women have a tendency to, to eat um, less labor-intensive comfort food because they don't want to have to cook it. So it's kind of interesting. But the Bible tells us that those are, those are maybe adequate, sometimes good comforters, but the Bible tells us there's a better comforter. There's a, another comforter. There's one who comes and, and helps us, and, and his name, he is the Holy Spirit. Now, there's some confusion around this and some craziness around this. I'm from Kentucky. In the mountains of Kentucky, there's a group of people who believe that you can handle poisonous snakes, and that is a, uh, an expression of your faith in God, and if you're full of the Spirit, you'll be able to do that. Uh, for me to handle a poisonous snake, I'd have to be full of some kind of spirit, but it wouldn't be the Holy Spirit. So uh, there's a lot of confusion around this and what it looks like. But what we need to understand, or what I want to talk about today, is that the Holy Spirit, one of his key functions is to be a comforter for us. And so today we're going to be looking in um, John chapter 16. But before that, let me set the stage just a little bit. John... Um, the book of John, toward the end, is a lot about the end of Jesus' life, the last few days. So there's a lot of content about a little bit of time. And in that content, there's Jesus washing his disciples' feet. It's a beautiful story of how the master serves and how uh, servants should lead or leaders should serve and that sort of thing. And, and G- Jesus washes all his disciples' feet, even Judas's, which is a really a, an, in, an interesting um, take on uh, how we serve people even when uh, they're going to do us wrong, even when they betray us. And then Jesus establishes the Lord's Supper, and, and Jesus then tells them, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to go and, and die. And Peter's like, no, dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, be right there with you. And even if, uh, even if you die, I'm going to die with you. And Jesus is like, I don't think so, buddy. But this is the kind of setting and it was almost like Jesus is telling him he's going to leave. And if you're a parent, you understand this. When you have little kids, there's something called separation anxiety. They, they get really nervous. They're afraid that you're going to leave and not come back. And great parents will say, I always come back. I'm going to come back. Here's the schedule. I'll be back in a little while. And uh, I'm only going to be gone a little while. It's the exact same thing Jesus said. Uh, I go away for a little while. But then he... He makes a promise, and he provides. And I I want to show you what he says. Jesus said, but now I go to him who sent me, and your hearts are full of sorrow. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is better for you that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come for you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The Greek word there is paraclete. It means advocate or counselor or uh, encourager. And who in their life doesn't need an advocate and a counselor and a comforter and an encourager? We all need this. And so Jesus provides this for us. And we who are followers of Christ, when we become believers, the Holy Spirit comes and resides within us. And Paul talks about it in Ephesians, or in Romans, sorry. You're not controlled by the sinful nature. We have a sinful nature, by the way. Uh, You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. There's this uh, current movement um, afoot that basically says people are, uh, for the most part, good, and uh, because of the context or uh, the environment, then we sin. We sin because of environment. Uh, 
The Bible teaches that we are born with a sin nature. It's, it's really completely opposite of what kind of current thought is in some, some places. Uh, there was this enlightenment period, and they said, hey, you know, you, uh, you're, you're good, you just sin because of, of environmental uh, problems. And really, the Bible tells us, no, we're born sinful, we are sinful, Adam sinned, and so we sin. And, and again, let's look at this text. Um, you're not controlled by your sinful nature, because we have a sinful nature. The Bible just says this is true. You're controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Now, what he's talking about here implies a relationship. Like I said before, when I become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live within me. And there is an implication that the Holy Spirit will work in my life as long as he's in my life. He's part of me. He helps me. He guides me. He comforts me. He encourages me. He's my advocate. All those things. He does that because we have a relationship. And relationships are really important uh, a few months ago, uh, we received an email from someone. Uh, we had lived in this area and had moved away quite a while ago. Hadn't heard from them, and now we hear from them, Miriam and I. And I, and I got the email, and I'm like, oh, how nice. They're trying to catch up. It's really sweet. And uh, they didn't contact us when we left, but now they're trying to you know, make amends, and they're wanting to, to kind of reconnect with us. I thought it was very sweet until I read the rest of the email. And r really, it was a pitch to sell me something. And I thought to myself, why would you think that's right? We don't even have a relationship anymore. And, and I'm not mad at you, but I'm not, I'm not going to listen to this because we're not in relationship. And I wonder how many times God says about us, wow, he, he needs me now because uh, it's like I'm a 9-11 I'm a operator, but where's the relationship? And so the Lord wants us to be in relationship with us, and then he promises the Holy Spirit. Let me show you this. Jesus said, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and will see, and you'll see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. So let's Let's kind of tear that apart a little bit. Let's break it down and let's look at how the Holy Spirit comforts us. Well, the first thing he said was he comforts us through the conviction of sin. When he comes, he'll convict the world of its sin. And you're thinking, well, conviction doesn't, that's kind of like you feel guilty. That doesn't feel very comforting. Well, maybe it doesn't, but let me tell you why it's comforting. When God is working in me to convict me of something I've done wrong or convict me of something I need to do, that says to me I'm part of the family. He's working either to draw me into the family or the Holy Spirit is working in my life to correct me and to get me where I need to be. He, he does that. He corrects me because he loves me. Conviction helps me get from... Well, let me show you this. Uh, if, if I'm not a follower, look at what it says here. If I'm not a follower... Uh, John 3.16 says, For the God so loved the world so much that he gave his only, one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If I am not in the family, the Holy Spirit draws me into the family. Now, if I'm already in the family, this is how it works. As you endure divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? Um, for me, the Holy Spirit kind of works as if it's sort of like bumper bowling. He, he helps me stay in line. And 
I had a daddy who disciplined me. I mean, he didn't discipline everybody else's kids. I ran with kind of some, some punk sometimes, and he didn't discipline those guys, but he disciplined me because he didn't love me, because he was a tyrant, because he was a punk. No. My daddy disciplined me because I'm his. He has a certain expectation for me. I discipline my kids. When they were at home, I disciplined Elise. She's still at home. I disciplined her, and I disciplined them. Miriam and I both, because we have a certain expectation. They're, they're vests. There's, they're going to they're gonna behave a certain way. There's an expectation of how you're going to behave. I learned that from my daddy. In fact, I would go out to, when I was a youth, and I would go out, and, and as I left the door, daddy would say to me things like, remember who you are, because you're a vest, and you're going to go out in the world, and vests have a reputation, and for the most part, it's a good reputation, and don't mess that up is basically what he was saying. Then it goes on. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. God wants us to live up to the family name. And so conviction of sin, when I feel guilty for what I've done, that helps me get on back on the right track. So... The Holy Spirit comforts me through conviction because He's helping me get to where God wants me to be. There's more. Look at what else Jesus says. When the Spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on His own, but will tell you what uh, He has heard. He will tell you about the future. Now, this isn't some seance with Sister Cleo, but what He does is He, he allows us, we talk about this sometimes, to play the movie forward. Hey, if you do this, then the result is going to be this, 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 and this. So you really want to think before you do this because there are consequences. And sometimes, I don't know if you know this, in life I do this and there are unintended consequences. And so I have to think this through. What's going to happen if I make this decision? And the Holy Spirit helps me think through the process of if I do this, where's it going to go? Really important. So conviction helps me. It guides me. Sometimes it pulls me in, and sometimes it helps me get back on track. The Holy Spirit is my comforter through conviction because He helps me know the way God wants me to go. The second way the Holy Spirit comforts us is through righteousness. It's kind of a churchy word. Jesus said, righteousness is available because I go to the Father. Righteousness, simply put, is being in right relationship with God. That's conviction helps me stay in that right relationship with God. Now, that's kind of the negative. Conviction is the negative. Righteousness is sort of the positive. Sometimes I need to know I'm doing the right thing. I need to know uh, it's all going the right way. Uh, when we lived in Michigan, we bought a house. We kind of bought it cheap, and there was a reason we bought it cheap. It was because it needed a lot of work. And I don't know if I've ever told you this, but one of the first things we did was we tore out the old kitchen. It, it was dated and ugly and dirty and just needed... We took up the floor, we took out the cabinets, there, was no, there were no appliances, the gas range we took out, we took out the, uh, the, the refrigerator and the dishwasher. I mean, seriously, it was down to the drywall. That's all that was in there. There was plywood on the floor and drywall. It stayed that way for six months. My wife, for six months, 
We had a mudroom. My wife, for six months, we had a refrigerator in there. We had a crock pot and an electric skillet. And Miriam never complained once. I mean, honestly, she is remarkable. And there we have this, this kitchen that needs to be done. And I don't know what to do. And then some people came and helped me. And I decided I was going to try my hand at putting up some backsplash. Um, I found some backsplash on the cheap. And I bought enough of it. And we had quite a bit to put up. And I'd never done it before, but I've seen it done on television. How hard can it be? And so um, my other friend had a, a wet saw, and he let me borrow it. And so I'm cutting the tile, and I'm placing it on there. And I got, I don't know, 10 sheets along. I mean, it comes in little, you know, 12 by 12s. And so I was putting it on the wall. And I got about 10 on there, and I stepped back, and I looked at it, and I'm like, Oh, my word, that looks as crooked as it can be. It looks horrible. Well, I just so happened in my church to have a guy that laid tile as a profession. I said, man, can you come look at this? Because I really think I've messed up. I don't think I'm doing this right. It just didn't look right. And so he came over. He was so kind. I mean, just really, really kind. And he looked at it, and he said, no, no, this is really good. You're doing a great job. And I said, well, why does it look crooked? And he said, man, you're... Your eyes will play tricks on you. When you grout it, it'll just be fine. It's really, really good. And once he gave me the thumbs up, now I felt, okay, I could do the rest of it. I could, I could do it all. With stuff like that, you, you need sometimes an encouraging word. Sometimes I do some home projects around the house with electricity. You kind of know if you do it right or not right away. Um, you change a switch out with, an, uh, with electricity, it either works or it doesn't work. Uh, if you touch a hot wire, you know pretty soon uh, that you have touched electricity. So some things you don't need as much encouragement, but with that backsplash, I needed somebody to tell me, no, no, you're doing it just the right way. And with righteousness, sometimes the Lord just needs to say, hey, you're doing it just the right way. The, the Bible talks a lot about wisdom. And beginning in July, we're going to start a new series around uh, the wisdom of Proverbs. The Bible is full of wisdom. And, and in James it says, if you lack wisdom, then you should ask our Heavenly Father. And he gives it, and the word he uses is abundantly or generously. God wants us to know what to do. I mean, he really wants us to know the right path. James three seventeen and 18 says this, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, it's also peace-loving. Well, that's a word for the day, isn't it? It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism. My word, uh, the perfect text for today's world. And is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. That's the second time we've seen that expression, two different places. We'll reap a harvest of righteousness. So, when the Holy Spirit is guiding my life, we see here that it helps me uh, be pure and peace-loving and gentle and yielding and merciful and full of good deeds and showing no favoritism and sincere and peacemaking. We talked about peacemaking a few weeks ago. I read a really, really interesting story. Francis Chan is a great pastor, and if you've never watched any of his videos or his preaching, you should because... He is remarkable, just full of the Spirit and, and just really, really good. And he tells a story about a young man he knew who lived in New York. And this young man uh, was mugged. And 
I want to read this to you because it's just so good. He writes this, They stole my money, my Metro card, my phone, and my laptop. My wallet was actually empty, but when searching through it, they found my debit cards and made me pull money off the ATM. As we were heading there, I was hoping for a chance to share the gospel with them. One of the muggers came in with me by himself while we were at the ATM machine, and I had the chance to share a little of the gospel with him. Can you just imagine? I told him that whatever uh, the turnout was for me that night, I would forgive him and his friends for what they had done. I wanted to make sure he knew that. I would forgive him. I asked him if he believed there was an even greater forgiveness in Jesus Christ, but he was rather unresponsive. He seemed to be taken aback by what I was saying, you think? Nevertheless, he hesitatingly uh, responded that he did. But we were interrupted at that point by his friend, the main agitator, who came in to make sure I was getting as much money as I could. I didn't get to continue the conversation with him, but one thing I did notice is that while I was, um, while I was being held up, I had a sense of peace and calm. I'd been mugged before, and each time I was terrified, but not that night. I also had a sense of regret that I didn't get a chance to share more of the gospel with them. In any case, I do hope they go through my laptop so, uh, as there's a lot of Christian material on there, and I hope it will change their lives. I mean, apart from the Holy Spirit, how could you stay calm and peaceful in that kind of turmoil? The Holy Spirit just guided them through that. One last thing, the Holy Spirit convicts us, the Holy Spirit helps us live a righteous life. And the third thing is, the Holy Spirit comforts us through judgment. Now this, again, is kind of, well, how can judgment be good? I'll tell you. Look at this text. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Um, let's interpret that meaning, we know we're going to win. Have you ever taped a, a game and you find out the final score before you watch it and you, you can watch it with some measure of, of relief and uh, with uh, less of a heightened sense of anxiety. I mentioned the 92 Kentucky-Duke game. Let me now mention the 98 Kentucky-Duke game. Duke again favored. They had better players playing the University of Kentucky. Kentucky was much less ranked. Uh, we were playing and we got down by 17 points. And if you've ever watched that game, and I've watched it several times, you get down 17 points and you think, oh, it's over. And then Kentucky makes this great comeback and we win. And it was probably the greatest college basketball game ever, because, mostly because we won. And I watch that and I don't have a lot of anxiety because I know who wins in the end. If I were to challenge everyone uh, in the room and I were to say, your best two against my best two playing basketball. Best two in here versus me and my guy playing basketball. I, I would win every time. Because if I had a choice, and you had to pick somebody in the room, but I got to pick anybody I wanted, I would just pick LeBron. And LeBron and me would kill you. We'd kill all y'all. I mean, there's no doubt that we would kill you. Because me and LeBron, I would talk so much noise it wouldn't even be funny. Because I know I'm going to win. Well, there's, there's judgment coming, but understand something. That judgment isn't for us. And we are on the right side. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're on the right side. Temptation really doesn't have any control over us. We don't have to worry about temptation. because I mean, we worry about it because sometimes we give into it, but we don't have to. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. 
Not give in to temptation. And we don't even have to fear death. Look at what it says here. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are comforted through judgment because the judgment is for those who don't follow, not for us who do. We are rewarded for what we do, but our sins have been taken care of on the cross. I want to end with one little story that I read a couple weeks ago. There was a, a granddad, and he was visiting his daughter's home, and uh, he had a, a little three-year-old grandson named Jeffy. And he walks into the room, and Jeffy is in the playpen, and he's just crying his little lungs out. And you know how grandkids capture their grandparents' hearts. And little Jeffy looked at his granddaddy, and he reaches up his arms, and he says, Grandpa, out! And granddaddy walks over to take him out of the playpen. About that moment, uh, the mama comes in. And she says, Dad, you leave him alone. Leave him there. Jeffy, you can't get out. You're being punished. And now what's a grandpa to do? They're the loving hands of a, uh, a little grandson who's crying and asking for relief. And there's the long arm of the law saying, no, you can't do that. And so this granddaddy did what only a granddaddy could. And he climbed into the playpen with little Jeffy. And he said, um, if you're in it, I'm in it. And Jesus did that for us. We, we had a need and he came to us. We had a need because we're born in our own sin. And we live in sin and we needed someone to take that away. And and he couldn't do it from afar, so he got in the playpen with us. And he brought us relief. The one thing that we really need to understand, and it's this, is that as followers of Christ, we're never alone. I, I know these last few months have been full of turmoil, and they haven't been very peaceful. But we've never been alone when we follow Christ. And when I remember that, when I get up in the morning and I, I read my Bible and I pray, God, give me wisdom and, and help me know you're there, it really does give me a sense of relief. I really don't have anything to worry about. I don't, I don't have death to worry about because that's been taken care of. And I don't have uh, other things to worry about because God knows that they're coming. He's never surprised. He knows what's going to happen. So he's not going to be caught by surprise by anything. And if I worry, it's because I choose to, not because I need to. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your comfort that you provide for us in tumultuous times. I ask blessings on our, our walk with you. Help us to walk uh, humbly and clearly and help us to be reminded that when we're convicted of our sin, when we feel bad, that you're drawing us back to yourself. And when we live righteously, when you give us an attaboy, then that reminds us that we're living with you and we're walking the right way. And thank you for reminding us today that we win in the end and that really we have nothing to fear. Thank you for all this comfort that you've provided. We love you and help us to walk with you well this week. We pray it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.